Sup freaks, it's your boy Marty here to intro this rip of RHR, Matt and I. Very high qual, hour and 45 minute rip. I think you guys are going to like this one, as you should like everyone. Every one of these episodes, maybe you don't have to like every one of the people on Earth. You should aim to, though, at least create empathy and, and see other people's perspectives. We're not going to get too philosophical here in the ad rates. This episode of Rabbit Hole Recap is brought to you by good friends at Unchained Capital. If you don't know about them, let me tell you about them. All right. Unchained Capital is providing uh, financial services for Bitcoiners with a security first mindset. This plays out throughout their whole product line. They've got their Volts program, which allows you to engage in a two or three multi sig quorum in which you hold two or three keys uh, and Unchained holds one. You can always move your UTXOs out of your vault by yourself uh, if you have control of your two keys. But if you're ever in a pinch and you need Unchained there to sign that second in the two or three quorum, they are there for you. Uh, they have, on top of this, their collateralized loan program in which you can uh, put up Bitcoin as collateral if you don't want to sell your Bitcoin, but you need cash uh, in your bank account. Unchained is there to help you out. You put your Bitcoin up as collateral and you get same day US dollar liquidity. Same thing there. You hold one key and you can always watch to make sure that you, your UTXOs are where Unchained is saying they are. Uh, you'll hold a key, a third party will hold a key, and Unchained will hold a key. And as long as you're paying back that loan and keeping your collateral uh, margin in check, you do not have to sell your Bitcoin. On top of that, they're rolling out an OTC desk, which imbues this uh, custody aspect into it as well i believe it's in illinois california and texas right now they plan on adding more states but if you want to buy otc if you're a high net worth individual looking to get uh some size uh looking to buy a good amount of bitcoin unchained is there for you and they'll also set you up so that you can self-custody your bitcoin as you're buying it in a multi-sig account so that you have full control uh, from the start which is incredible on top of that they've got their open source initiatives including Caravan, which is the open source uh, version of their multi-sig quorum. So you can do that by yourself without involving Unchained at all. They've open sourced that, the hardware wallet testing kit, and uh, it has a bunch of cool features, including uh, being able to drop your XPUB of the multi-sig wallet into uh, Caravan so that you can you don't have to reuse addresses. Uh, you can have coin selection so that you're... Uh, moving UTXOs that you know where they came from and where they, their their past history you get very granular with it. On top of that, uh, they've got their incredible blog series. Parker Lewis putting out gradually and suddenly. Drew Bunsall, uh writing about Bitcoin in space. Hoddle waves. Phil Geiger, uh, Joe Kelly and crew, and their, our boy Buck putting out incredible content and really have a white glove service for your freaks if you want to get into Bitcoin with the security first mindset and financial services. So go to www.unchained capital, excuse me, unchained dash capital.com. That's www.unchained dash capital.com. This rip is also brought to you by good friends at the motherfucking cash app. All right. You freaks already know all about them. They're helping you stack sats, send sats, receive sats and sell sats. If you so please. Uh, and they've also made sats the standard. So you're not buying fractions of a Bitcoin anymore. You're buying whole sats. On top of that, they're allowing you to DCA into sats. You can set it and forget it. You can buy daily, weekly, or bi-weekly in the Cash App. Uh, if you just want to set your DCA, your dollar cost average into sats up, Cash App is allowing you to do that. And again, like I said, you can send sats and make sure 
if you have a considerable amount of sats on the app that you're uh, taking the responsibility into your own hands at some point and sending them to a personal wallet. Uh, you can send sats off the app. You don't have to hold them on there. And if you do want to self-custody, make sure you're doing that and get on that journey earlier rather than later, I would argue. I would recommend, not argue. Uh, on top of that, they have Cash App Investing. Stock's hot right now. Hot. Stock's hot. We talk about it in this episode. Uh, Davy Day Trader and crew pushing stocks higher. If you guys are stacking stocks and you need a place to do it and you don't want to buy a whole stock because it's a little too expensive right now, uh, a little overpriced, Cash App Investing is allowing you to stack slivers of stocks. You can buy as little as $1 via Cash App Investing because this is all connected to your bank account. There's no four to five day waiting periods. You can start investing today. Uh, Cash App may even be your bank account. They're uh, issuing account numbers and routing numbers so you can direct deposit your paychecks into the Cash App, becoming a new wave bank. Love to see it. Uh, as always, or I should mention, Cash App Investing is a subsidiary square square and member SIPC as always when you download the app if you haven't done so already what are you waiting for go download the app and when you do use the code stacking sats that's s-t-a-c-k-i-n-g-s-a-t-s one word you're going to get ten dollars and ten dollars going to go to our very good friends in in Chicago Owls Lacrosse it's Owls Lacrosse Owls Lacrosse uh, is a organization that stands for outreach with lacrosse and schools doing their best uh to help the youth in Chicago, the underserved youth, uh, via the, the sport of lacrosse. I volunteered while in college, incredible program. I know the people working there uh, personally, and I highly recommend checking them out. And if you haven't downloaded the Cash App, easy way to support them. Use the code StackingSats so they get $10. That's Owls Lacrosse. <laughs> That's Owls Lacrosse. What'd you think of that, Marty's Owl? You sly motherfucker. Enjoy this episode, freaks. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. I, I think I still have my wisdom teeth. I'd never gotten them taken out, so I assume they're there. Yeah, I got to get... I gotta get. I got all. All four of my wisdom teeth came in right, but one of them I gotta get removed. I thought like after, like twenty five, you didn't have to worry about it. No, I mean I just got like a really bad cavity in it because like it's hard to reach. Oh. So they're like it's. That sucks. They're like we we can't fill this cavity. You just you're gonna have to remove it. You either remove it or you just let it deteriorate to the point where then you have to remove it, and it's just worse at that point is what I'm told. Yeah, I hear it's not a fun process. I was supposed to get it. I'm like, I, I think I'm going to get it removed um, before RHR next week, the day before. So I wonder, like, if it'll be painful when I speak. 
I imagine it would. Are you going to get one of those videos? Have your uh, your better half take a video of you right after you wake up with the laughing gas still? I don't think they're going to laughing gas me. I think I'm just going to like Novocaine that shit. Really? What's the uh, meme of the w- kid that you're talking about? Um, is this real life? Is that what it is? I think so. Yeah, it was like somebody goes to the dentist. I love that. Of the, I of ho- the kid who's just like high as balls. Yeah. I would hope they would give you laughing gas. That's what <laughs> I hated. Uh, if they just Novocaine you and they're like crunching teeth, like being able to hear that and feel that. Novocaine only goes so far, you can still definitely feel it. It's very uncomfortable. Anyway, I would, freaks, I would opt for the laughing gas. I will power through it next week for you guys. That's that's pure dedication right there. <sighs> Marty, Maybe what are you drinking today? I got a, a Tito's of water with some lemon in it. Watching my figure. Classic. What do you got? Is that McCallum that I saw? No, I'm still I'm still polishing off this bottle of Tamdu. I don't like Tam. I'm I need to build a new whiskey collection. I I ran out of whiskey here and now I'm just going one bottle at a time so I can't switch between. Ooh. This is I've never seen a Mad Odell with uh, limited whiskey. I know, options. it's really weird. But this Tamdu is really good, so check it out. T A M D H U. I dig it. First time having it. Well, like, this is like my fourth time having it, but it's the first time I've got on the bottle. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Tito's, too. Tito's is a quality vodka. Uh, it uh, goes well with water and lemon on a, on a hot summer's late afternoon. Speaking of late afternoon, we had a little pop in price this morning, according to Clark Moody's dashboard, who, Matt, I'm going to let you know right now, we have lined up for an interview next week. Um, his dashboard is Fuck saying yes. price is not is $9,592. Just found uh, out about that on air with the freaks. We are at block 640,470. Uh, percentage of tour nodes on the Lightning Network is 22.8%. That's a lot lower than... Or am I mixing up? Oh, percentage tour capacity is 45.1%. The Bitcoin Network... Excuse me getting confused here freaks uh there are 10,222 reachable nodes on the bitcoin network and of those 2,332 are running behind tour so about 23 percent yeah the capacity uh, number is the number we've been tracking yeah the capacity number on the late the because Clark i think has added stuff to the dashboard so stuff is moving around a little bit i, got I think the tour the, no, uh, like tour usage for routing nodes is more important um specifically for lightning okay yeah, and I mean, so there's 2,147 tour nodes on Lightning. It's 45.1% of capacity. So that's actually interesting. Uh, 2,332 of all Bitcoin nodes are running tour. So like, only. You have to remember nodes. that, like, the raw node numbers are off, right? Because it's it's using bit nodes. Uh, tracker. They're u- he's using BitNodes API tracker for that, and it undercounts nodes. Uh, like I know my nodes, every time I checked in the past, weren't popping up on there. 
Um, and then you have like the high estimate, right? Which is Luke's estimate, which is like a hundred thousand or something like that. Uh, which you can't really, you can't verify cause that's Luke's number. There's no way to independently verify that I believe. Um, so it's probably somewhere in the middle, but with tour capacity on lightning, it's a publicly broadcast, you know, public channel capacity. Like it's a, it's a number that we know for sure. Yeah. Um, regardless of what the number is, do your part, run a full node, use a full node more importantly. Uh, it's empowering once you get it all figured out. We talk about it a lot in this podcast and there is actually a big update to one of the, uh, the node softwares this week that we're going to talk about later. But before we do that, let's get through with the dashboard. The next difficulty retarget is in 618 blocks, uh, estimated to be on july 28th so in about five days here and that's estimated to be a negative 6.4 percent uh difficulty adjustment so downward difficulty adjustment seems to be in order uh currently 54,729 transactions in uh clark's mempool uh percentage of fee in the predicted next block is approaching 14%. So higher than it has been. Um, like we said, the price pumped, uh, we don't have too much macro, but I think like the, the macro situation is lining up pretty well, included some charts in the bent today or one chart in particular that highlighted, uh, the weight of the top five stocks in the S and P 500 and how much they're pulling that index up. And it hasn't been, uh, the top five stocks in the S and P hasn't, um, attributed to this much of the overall index return since the uh, dot-com bubble of 2000. So something to be aware of as we see Tesla, Amazon, all these stocks go crazy. Are you stacking slivers of stocks, Matt? Um, I do. I, I do hold some bags of stocks. Uh, I've been riding the wave. I, uh, starting to believe uh davy day trader stonks only go up i've been saying it a ironically and sarcastically for about a month now or two months and i think i've said it so many times that now i just probably believe it willing it into existence you know it's been pretty crazy i uh i think it was we hit like like 15 million unemployment or something and so so when when the covid stuff started to happen i sold everything i sold all my stocks and then um when i think we were at like 15 million unemployment and minneapolis had the first night of riots and then the next morning stocks went up Right. And I remember, I think I even said to you in a private chat, I said to you, I was like, if stocks go up tomorrow, like people are going to be fucking livid. Like it's like the biggest slap in the face ever. Like small businesses are getting fucking wrecked and you know, big business is, is going to do good. And they're they're just getting the bailout and everything's going to hit new all time highs and they're just going to print money and like pour it in. And then the second day it went up again, the riots had spread to like other cities and shit. And it went up again. And at that point, I decided it was like same with like part of my Bitcoin investment thesis. I was like, I will regret not being in 
versus it going it crashing so i just that that point i started going back into the stock market and it's been really good just rode the fucking wave this whole time but they are shit coins like i don't you know it's not bitcoin but uh you film it in make sure you bail yeah i will eventually i just it's just better than like what i'm gonna keep it in my like savings account and get like i mean my like 0.1 percent interest like what that doesn't make any sense do not take stock advice from me. I am not a am not your financial advisor, and am not uh, am not smart enough to be trying to time the market. I'm like I'm not in any there. of the like crazy shit. You know, I like it's it's it was very simple. Like I went into Zoom. Like Zoom has done really well for me. Uh, like Square, I went back into Square. Disclosure, they're a sponsor of the podcast. Uh, and then, like, I... Oh, the gun stocks did really well for me. I, I That was, like, the most obvious trade ever. I just... You know the, you know they don't allow a gun ETF for, like, moral reasons? Really? Yeah, I, like, had to make my own ETF. I just took, like, the top three gun stocks, and I just put equal amounts into each. And, like, right now, it's up, like, 40%. It was, like, the most obvious trade ever. Like, the cities were burning. Like, I, I'm going <laughs> to... People are going to go buy. Well, guns. that trade, that trade makes sense to me from a fundamental perspective. Where yeah, and they were all at like fucking huge lows because there's just been like years of anti-gun narrative. You know, I have a buddy who works at Morgan Stanley. They're not even allowed to trade the gun stocks in their uh, in their personal Pension portfolios. Funds. Just, oh, they're not. Yeah. What? Which was great. That was like extra for me because I was like, ha. I'm gonna front run this motherfucker. You know, he can't even buy it. That's pretty fucked. Yeah. Talk about uh moral reasons. Yeah, talk about like corporate fascism there. You're not allowing your workers to to allocate their capital as they see fit. Interesting, Morgan Stanley. Interesting. Fucking stonks. Uh, but yeah, I you know, it none of it makes sense to me. It's just I, I think I think it makes more sense when you look at it like the dollar is they're like weakening the dollar and you see it in the asset prices. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the chart to look at here is S and P in terms of grams of gold. And that'll actually be gold. Very interesting. All time high for the first time in a decade. Yeah. That's going to gold and silver. The, the, uh, the precious metals, the dumb rocks they're, they're rallying this week. Uh, I guess we'll just, Let's just start. Let's just start on a macro theme and riff on it, since we're sort of diving into it. It's what I wrote about yesterday too. I think is a good idea to touch on is the idea of us actually not living in a capitalist society per se. Uh, like the system is not capitalist. The fact that the Fed is buying the bonds of Chevron, uh, Johnson and Johnson, Disney, um, who else is on that list? Microsoft. A bunch of these mega corporations, Amazon, I think, was on the list too, uh, and they're letting all these small businesses fail. Today, Bloomberg reported that something like half the businesses that have shut down small businesses in California are, uh, don't plan on on reopening, which is pretty devastating too. Um, but small not businesses and no, not at all. Um, considering the cash flows and the balance sheets of most of these small businesses. Uh, but it is sort of weird to see that the Fed is willing to step in and 
and buy the debt of all of these mega corporations and let these companies fail. Yes, the PP loans exist, but they come with a lot more strings attached in the forms of collateral and trying to guarantee the payback on those loans. There's a lot more red tape to get through for the small businesses and the liquidity injection from those loans is, uh, I think you can make the argument is not anywhere on par with the, uh, with the, the debt buying that they're doing for the, for the mega corporations. So somebody wrote it, uh, zero hedge, um, uh, republished a blog. I forget exactly who, but he, pers- the author of this blog, I'm not sure if it was him, but it's the first place I've seen it and sort of ran with it. And yesterday's bent and on Twitter, uh, we don't live in a capitalist society. We don't live, in, we don't experience capitalism here in the United States. We, we experience cantalism, um, which I thought was a very apt description of the current economy. And I think the notion that we do live under a capitalist system and then that is the cause for many of the woes that people experience is a misdefinition of the problem and, and really has people uh, misguided and, and lashing out uh, against the wrong enemy when so why we bitcoin uh, a lot of these woes stem from the cantillon effect and cantillonism and the the proximity to the fed's window it's basically and an oligarchy this, right like yeah oligarchy techno Technocra- uh, technocracy, te- like te- technocracy. Technocracy. There um, yeah, there's many, many different words, but I think cantil- cantilinism um, really, really sort of encompasses everything, whether it's corporatocracy, technocracy, um, crony capitalism. I think captured capitalism, sort of captured capitalism, whatever it is. Um, and it all stems from the money freaks and the fact that people are able to print money ex nihilo and just hand it out to a crony capitalist. Markets Puts actually closed down a decent amount today. It was like... And Bitcoin was up. Correlation broken. <laughs> um, I wonder... Like, they're going to... They have to announce... See, like, my whole, my whole, my whole stock thesis is just they're going to keep printing. They're going to announce more stimulus, right? And they're just going to pump it back up again. They are, but it's... I said that in today's bent is... I'm not so sure. Again, this is what happened in the Weimar Republic. Not in the... Oh, yeah. I'm not saying it'll be good, like long-term. But short-term, it should pump stonks. But even... uh, Yeah, stonks, yes. But this is how, like, the Weimar Republic and... That's how. That's where Venezuela's hyperinflation started, and Argentina's started in their stock markets. Yeah, like I said, I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying I expect that to happen. I, I no, like, no. What I else would expect gonna, it too. It makes so much sense. Like I'm a betting man. That's my bet. I just I wonder when it's going to impact Bitcoin. It's been eerily stable, uh, but maybe who knows? Maybe we would actually be at like 4K right now. If it wasn't for the money printing. I think that's a good argument to make. Maybe we're breaking out right now. Who knows? I'm going to knock on wood. Uh, Did you feel FOMO when we went up $200? No, no. I felt a little bit I've of FOMO. Actually, even after all these I've been years. Very, I've been very disciplined on my DCA recently. So uh, that has brought 
It has brought some peace of mind to the price movements. And yeah, so staying on the macro theme, like I don't like they're gonna have to do like obviously they're discussing tax breaks. It doesn't seem like that's gonna happen. They're gonna have to airdrop money into people's bank accounts, especially once this six hundred dollar an extra vague and unemployment runs out in a few days here and it seems like lockdowns are going to be coming back to many parts of the country and the amount of permanent unemployed people seems to be going up by the week they're going to have to airdrop trump bucks into people's bank accounts it's also the easiest way to win the election that's coming up just direct deposit everybody money but i don't think there should be any bullshit like income thresholds or anything just like every single U.S. person, just like if you're going to print it anyway, just drop it in our pockets. Every single yeah. person. Let's go. Well, I'll put it into Bitcoin. Disclosure. It's, gonna, it's such a shit show because they're discussing the tax rates on Capitol Hill. They're discussing extension of the CARES Act and new stimulus. And then you had the Fed coming out. This wasn't on the list, but something we should definitely talk about last week. All the Fed governors are starting to posture like they're going to target above the the uh, historical 2% target rate for inflation. So they're trying to overshoot it. And they've come out and said, hey, we want to overshoot inflation, uh, the 2% target, because we haven't been hitting it. So we're going to do what we can to try to surpass that and then pull back from there. So that signals to me that they're like, what we've seen so far this year is a drop in the bucket of what they plan on doing moving forward, which is pretty insane to think about. Yeah, so it's going to get real. This is the Davy Day Trader uh, thesis. Yeah. And then negative rates. They keep saying negative rates will never come here. Don't be surprised. Of course they're going to come here. We've been saying this on the pod since I started on the pod. It's been years. It's coming. It's it's coming sooner than we think. Or you may think. I think it's coming sooner. For some listeners, they already have it. It's true. It's coming soon to America. Uh, be careful out there. Should we and talk again, about the, Bitcoin? The long, what was that? Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. The long-term effects, like, we're just, like, the sh- with the small businesses shutting down. It's so bad. The. It's so fucked. The secondary, secondary and tertiary effects, the ripple effects, the externalities that will be produced from this have not materialized and they're going to materialize at some point and it's not going to be pretty. I'm surprised there's not more, there's not like any Bezos conspiracies. Like motherfuckers Dude, doing made, so well. It's like, made this 13 is like the, bill in one day. It's just like the best thing, best thing that could ever happen to him was Corona. And there's no conspiracies. I'm surprised like 4chan hasn't picked up on that yet. Maybe QAnon has some, but they've been kicked off Twitter. We don't hear about them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, talk about somebody who's benefited the, I mean, all these small businesses that would have uh, supplied individuals and smaller economies with the goods they need have, have been replaced by the the Amazon monster that exists out there. They, they've been crushing it from all aspects, too. Like, think how much server costs have probably gone up or server usage from everybody. Yeah, everything. Literally, their whole business is like the best thing that ever happened to them. And, it, you know, it hastened the death of retail. And then even if you go to retail, right, like, 
there was forced closures of small business, but Walmart got to stay open the whole time. All the big chains got to stay open the whole time. Essential <laughs> services. So it was Cantalism. Cantalanism. Yeah. It needs to be easier to pronounce. Yeah, it's actually uh that's like the big debate going on. How do you how do you pronounce it? Is it Cantian? Cantalon? Cantillon? It's Cantillon, uh, right? I was corrected. I used to think it was Cantian. I like Cantillon. Yeah, you corrected me on the podcast. I actually, uh, speaking while we're on the subject, I speak about him so often, we speak about him so often. The Cantillon effect was actually written by, like, an Austrian. I mean, it was, it's attributed to an Austrian. Like, Cantillon was a good dude. That's what I'm trying to get at. And I've actually been reading uh, one of his essays. Wait, it's his name? It's his last name? Yeah, it's his last name. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's um why is his first name escaping me? Let me get it real quick. Uh Richard Cantillon. Yeah. Oh, I was going and with James so he, in my head. Richard Cantillon, uh an essay on economic theory. Very interesting actually. This essay got lost for a few decades and a lot of people don't know it, but was sort of groundwork base layer knowledge for for people like Adam Smith and um, and a bunch of other economists who sort of build on his work. So uh, the Wealth of Nations actually ran with this essay and a lot of concepts in it and and wrote, and Adam Smith wrote that magnum opus, which a lot of people base uh, modern economic theory off of, free market economic theory. Uh, and so this is actually sort of the basis for this line of thinking in economics. So I highly recommend you freaks go f- go find it and essay on economic theory. It's on Mises.org for free. Uh, I've been blowing through it today. It's pretty easy um, to get through and just a good basic intro to economics. All right, we can talk about Bitcoin now. Okay, so I want to start with, um, I want to start with the Samurai Postmix address reuse uh disclosure bug disclosure we discussed last week uh we said we would discuss it again after more thought had gone into it because it had just dropped um basically i i i I still remain i i do not think this is actually like i'm not sure if it's a current bug I, I don't think it is because, first of all, out of the data set of 5,000 addresses that were reported, um, only 441 of them actually had address reuse. Uh, a lot of them were misreported as they received a transaction and then they sent a transaction was counted as address reuse, which is obviously not address reuse. It's just like a normal UTXO situation. Um and less, not all of those were, so 441 of them were unintentional address reuse. But the thing is with the post mix, and I'm sure you can attest to it because you actually have been having issues, is, and the idea is that the change address, um, the index isn't stored locally, uh, which in post mix it isn't, but because it's not stored locally, if it loses connection to the server, it ends up using an older change address. But you can't construct a Postmix transaction if you're not connected to Dojo. 
There's no such thing as an offline Postmix transaction. It's the only part of the wallet uh, where you can't do it. And you've seen the error, right? Where it shows zero. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to, I have to reconnect my wallet to my dojo. Yeah, so because it shows zero. So it's showing zero um, and you can't construct a transaction. So the connection to the dojo isn't working. Uh, so I'm not I'm not sure if this is oh and the 441 were also all before the mobile mixing, uh, so even before the new APK came out um, on Samurai Wallet and how they handle post mix, so maybe it was an issue with the earlier way they handled post mix. I'm not sure, but between that and the fact that between that and the fact that they added this feature to dojo that dojo is actually actively checking for reuse before it broadcasts the transaction uh we should be good in terms of samurai users worrying about this issue happening to them like i'm like pretty fucking sure like 99 percent sure that's good news then yeah so but once again i want to state that i really appreciated the responsible disclosure with the time and I, I appreciate how the Samurai team handled that responsible disclosure and investigated it, released that addition to Dojo, and released a very, very comprehensive report. So on both sides, really appreciated how that happened. As a Samurai user personally, like I, I appreciated that. Yes. And do we have to state that Shinobi is not officially associated with Wasabi? Yeah, I mean, I never meant to imply that. Like, he's pissed off at me now. I, I, they're, they're not, they don't have good, he does not have a good rapport with the Samurai team. That's all I was saying. They don't have a good rapport with the Samurai team. And, and but, inst- but he rose above that, did a responsible disclosure. The Samurai team, you know, handled it well. And I just really liked how mature both sides were. That's all I was saying. Shinobi no, thinks you should use join market. And the whirlpool or the whirlpool, the samurai wall guys would would advise you not to do that based on their their latest research into deconstructing that, but then you get into like is join market okay for smaller amounts? That was a huge amount of bitcoin that that research project focused on. Well, Maybe that's more susceptible to better analysis. Look, all of these different coin join implementations have trade-offs there's different trade-offs along you know they all have their own pros and cons um the 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 biggest issue with trying to maintain privacy on bitcoin is shooting yourself in the foot and making mistakes so with both join market and wasabi if you're a very educated user and you cover your ass you can use them relatively safely. But there's a lot of pitfalls that you can make. And I really like how Samurai implements, how their implementation works. I like that they, they try and encourage best practices along the whole way, and they try and reduce the possibility of user error. And we saw this firsthand um, OXT Research, Samurai's research arm, did a like a quick release, uh, not a full report, I assume a full report's coming, of the Twitter hacker. And the Twitter hacker went into Wasabi. 
and they went into Wasabi. Dude, it's fucked. And Wasabi defaults to a 51 anonymity set is a green check. If anyone's ever used Wasabi, it gives you a green check. And we've talked about this before on the podcast. And so what does that do? That does a single round usually, right? Because Wasabi rounds happen every two hours. I think they might have actually increased it, made, made it more frequent. But it happens over a set time interval. It's either two hours or less or if you hit 100 people. So a lot of times, that's just a single round. There's no remix. And remixes on Wasabi cost you money. So you're incentivized to just hit that default green check and then just stop. Um, we've said on this pod in the past, you know, like, if you're using Wasabi, you should set it to at least 101. So you do at least two remixes because you have 100 and nonsense. So this, this Twitter hacker, he went into Wasabi on the defaults. He... He came in, did one single mix, so his, his, his total came in, he went through, he got three green checks out of it, and then he got unmixed change, okay? And he then combined then he can, those three He consolidated his mix outputs. Yeah, yeah, he consolidated them, but you have to remember that on Wasabi, they have a select all button. Like, why is the select all button there? So, like, on Samurai... Like, you have to actively type in the full amount. You have to, like, go out of your way to select all, and it warns you after, if you try and do it, it warns you that they, they can't construct one of their mimic two-person coin joints, right? So, like, all post-mix transactions default to the, to the two-person coin joint. And then on top of that, in the beginning, when you first come into the mix, it splits out the unmixed change from the mix, and all those outputs go into different rounds than each other randomly. Like, you don't know which round you're going into. While in this case, it was, you know, they all went into the same round. So there's, like, there's things you can do in the implementation level that can, you know, that, that, can, that really helps users. Like, it's a, it's a major thing because, like, that's how the user fucks up. Like, what this guy did is what a lot of people do. And the thing is, is people are doing that and they're sharing your fucking rounds with you. So they're reducing everyone's anonymity set, right? If there's a bunch of users doing this at the same time, there's like, and there's also like just, they don't enforce address reuse within the fucking rounds. So there's tons of address reuse happening in the coin join rounds, which also narrows the anonymity set. And that doesn't happen on Samurai. So I really like how it's, you know, I'm not saying Samurai Whirlpool is perfect. What I'm saying is I just think it's the best balance for most users, including myself. No, I really like to reply to a freak on Twitter today who asked about the nuances of this and putting the onus on the developers of this these coin join implementations to make the UX such that it's harder and harder for individual users to fuck up in these ways is imperative you have to assume that each user is Forrest gump like just assume you use as far as gump is going to fuck up and so like join market has the exact opposite philosophy like most i think most join market uh contributors and and people who use it believe that you should have a certain threshold of understanding before you use join market which is fine, you know, to each their own. It's a different, it's, it's a different demographic. But, and then, and, and just to not like, 
I use Samurai Wallet. I love Samurai Wallet, but just to like not just you know you know give like tons and tons of praise without any cons. Like it comes with the negative, which you're seeing right now, is that a lot of these elements aren't like the stability of the overall app and everything leaves a lot to be desired. And they're working on it. They know they haven't released a full. They still to this day consider it a beta product. Um, yeah, my 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 biggest knock on Samurai is that like. The app just doesn't work all the time for me. Yeah, and and to be frank, the MyNote integration could use a lot of work. Like the whole Dojo package there could use a lot of work. Um, so, like this is, it's growing pains, and it's part of that trade-off balance. I just you know I like that all those things are automated, that the best practices are try you know they they try and push you towards best practices so you don't shoot yourself in the foot. Yes, this should be the aim. Assume that your user is Forrest Gump at the end of the day and design your app accordingly. Big week, though. Like, Is there any, anything else on the Twitter hacker you want to touch on before we move on? Did you see the Wasabi blog that they deleted? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it on archive.com now. Yeah, no bullshit Bitcoin got the archive. I don't it's, know. Uh, I don't know why... Um, they should have never posted this, but obviously they agreed because they deleted it like an hour later. It's just a very weird post. But anyway, I you know in general I'm I am concerned. Um, like they could, I mean it wasn't that much money. Let's be honest, what the Twitter hacker got, but he made waves, right? Like he hacked. He tweeted from Barack Obama's and Joe Biden's fucking accounts, Bill Gates, Elon Musk. Um, he hacked the hive mind of Twitter for, for at least six hours there. Yeah, so I would, it would behoove me to be, uh, like, I, I'm concerned that they're going to use, you know, the powers that be will use this as an excuse to do more crackdowns on coin join usage. Um, but maybe not because he just <sighs> fucked up the Wasabi thing. So, like, maybe that actually... Um, you know, and he made other errors. He like used Coinbase or he or she, they used Coinbase. I believe they used other KYC services potentially. So there's links there. And as we said in the beginning, like, I think the Bitcoin side is, is what's going to do them in the most in terms of exposing, uh, their personal identities. But I am a bit concerned that this could u- be used. Like we even saw, um, like Elliptic had a blog post that was, we tracked it into Wasabi. The, the, the hacker used Wasabi. Our software can let you know as an exchange if you get a deposit from Wasabi, as if anything that comes from de- Wasabi would be... Um, KYC'd. Well, it would be that, it could be the hacker, so you would flag it or whatever. So how do you think they're flagging it? With the fee address, just the... Uh, no, but the, the fee address the isn't static anymore. It's not no. But it's still easy. It's easy to tell what any of that any of these are are being used. Um, they're equal output coin joins. You see them on chain. Um, yeah, what I'm trying to get at is how do they know that this particular equal output coin join is Wasabi? And I think they just make software. a best. They make a best guess. Hmm. They they probably they probably over they probably over guess. You know, their 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 assumption doesn't default to this is a per person mimicking a twelve person coin join. They're just like, 
this 12 person equal output coin join is wasabi and then yeah. maybe they have to do a little they have to, you know th there's there's fingerprints on chain you can see like you can tell what a samurai mix is um unless they fake it uh but like there's there's fingerprints yeah you probably to, just uh, end up with false positives you just think there's more samurai mixes that's what i'm saying like you would say like you wouldn't guess you wouldn't assume that it's a five per uh, one a single person faking a five person coin join you would just assume it was samurai so maybe people should do that intentionally and then prove somehow that their assumptions were wrong and that sort of throws a wrench in that heuristic. I mean, that just correct? sounds like a really long time scale trying to fuck with the system. But if, if anyone wants to do that, by all means, I look, we haven't seen any, we haven't seen any situations uh, where samurai deposits have been flagged um, or withdrawal usage. So, I, I mean, and any. I go back to, I, I really do think like we also haven't seen any flags since Wasabi removed the fixed fixed fee address. Um, so I I really do think like the fi it was proximity. Like you you can't like these exchanges have to show like a, these regulated services. They have to show like a best effort to police uh, suspicious transactions. And if the transaction comes in through their fucking surveillance company provider and it says that it's like one block away from some scam, like uh, like one hop away from some scam, not one block. Like they're gonna fucking flag it and ask you some questions, right? Like they have to, you, you just rubbed it in their face. Yeah, I mean, this provides a perfect segue into the next topic, which is the fact that a bunch of major exchanges here, I believe it's Coinbase, Bittrex, is Kraken involved? Gemini, I know, is... I, can't, I don't know if Kraken is. Are they? Kraken is involved. Check. Yeah, Kraken and a couple others This are is fucked. ...creating a task force to hand over information to the financial action. It's Coinbase, Bitco, Gemini, Kraken, and Bittrex so far that we know of. And Coinbase is leading yeah. it, of course. And this is the same financial action task force which has... Again, it's an unelected regulating entity, and I'm pretty sure they're responsible for AML D5 too. Correct? Like, no. Or no. Well, Fatfoot pressure might have created. Uh, well, the travel rule is the reason for AML D5 or something like that. Which well, no, AML D5 is a European. Um, it's out of the European governing body. I thought FA the FATF was based out of France, wasn't it? in Paris um, it's not even American that's the whole point what FATFA is that the how you pronounce it fat f fat fuck um, <laughs> financial action task force I don't think they were the reason behind AMLD5 I mean I like they could have been an indirect reason but I think AMLD5 was passed by yeah, it's, like the European it's an, government. Yeah, it's a G7 financial action task force, also known by its French name, a Groupe d'action financière, uh, is an intergovernment organization founded. So it's like a supranational intergovernment 
it's not like U.S. regulations. It's but the U.S. has unelected. the most influence in it, right? I would. Yeah, I mean, the U.S. dollar system has the most influence over everything. But this isn't this isn't some like Senate approved regulatory body that these exchanges are answering to. It's again supranational, unelected officials deciding how you can cannot move money and i'm pretty sure they're responsible for aml d5 well i mean you're definitely absolutely correct about all the other stuff so i be, look here's the thing right so they're they got this travel rule thousand dollar transactions they need to know the sender and the receiver so these exchanges are setting up in a formal system between each other to share your kyc data when you send a transaction to each other so they they like post the addresses they know on this bulletin board system, they're calling it. And if an address matches with something that they're sending to, there's, they're going to exchange at least name and account number of either the sender or the recipient, depending on which side they're on. Um, so this, this could get messy really quickly. Uh, we don't really have any, it's like kind of offhand remarks is, is how we know about this. Uh, Coindesk and The Block both reported it. But I, you know, like we could really, we could easily end up in a situation, which is something I've been concerned about for a while, um, which has actually made me a stronger holder uh, because I think that at some point we won't be able to self-custody. Like, I think that they'll make all these services essentially like Robinhood, where you can't withdraw. Like, they're just IOUs. And if you, you can transfer maybe, but you can only transfer between, like, regulated whitelisted addresses. Well, Preston Byrne, when he was on here, he said there's a good argument to be made that running a full node is an act of free speech. And running a full node entails running a wallet which can receive and send transactions so maybe with the first amendment we can avoid that i would agree with you the powers that be would probably try to construct a system that you described or there's a white and black list i think it's more likely that it happens at the mining pool level it uh, could happen rather, at that level too for sure yeah yeah but I think it's more likely there. And it's a perfect the exchanges segue into are another, easier, uh, though. It's easier to implement on the exchanges. Well, this, that's, this drives a good question with the news yesterday with, um, what was it, the OSS? The OCC. Whatever. The OCC. The Office they announced the, of Something Comptroller, right? Yeah. Commerce Comptroller, I would assume. Uh, U.S. banks can now custody Bitcoin. Like, our Coinbase Kraken... Gemini just could be small fish in a big pond now and these US banks which are already completely comfortable with these regulations and compliant with these regulations just going to brute force this my understanding is that it's first of all it's the office of the comptroller of the currency my understanding is it's more like safe deposit boxes where they wouldn't be like offering like active services. It's like they can do key storage and stuff. Um, but maybe it opens the door to more Coinbase esque kind of services. But just to go back, I, and and people were making a big deal of that. 
Like, fuck that shit. Like, I'm no one should keep their Bitcoin with them. I I guess it's good. I agree. Right? Like, it brings it. It definitely like the bring more liquidity crowd. Which I guess is good overall. Are like that's bullish, but you know, as we saw, like the price didn't really care about it. I I I don't really care about it. But it's a nice little legitimacy thing, I it's, guess. But just to go back, like yes, running a node could be free speech. Uh, maybe even sending and receiving transactions in a sovereign way could be. But they could still easily on the financial side be like, you cannot send a transaction unless that address is whitelisted and regulated and compliant and yada, yada, yada. And they could do it on Lightning Network super easy yeah. too. They could just do pub keys. They could say, you know, this pub key is a... That's always been the biggest threat in my mind is just governments clamping down on the on-ramps and the off-ramps. And that's why one of my goals personally has always been um, to like try and accumulate as much Bitcoin as possible before that happens. Um, Because like I could foresee like a situation where like you could completely time the market right. Uh, Like let's say we like break through all time highs. We go on a new run, you know, and we go to like a hundred K or something, you know, and then we, we, you sell the top, you successfully sell the top. Um, and then we go down to like 20 K and you're like, ah, oh, I, I sold the top successfully. I finally fucking did it. It's been three cycles and finally sold the top. And then you can't get back in. You can't, <laughs> you, you can't get the Bitcoin again because you, I mean, you have to like struggle to try and get Bitcoin through like basically gray market, black market channels because all the regulated compliance stuff won't let you get in. Um, and that fear has always been uh, a bit, like a driving force for me. Like it wasn't worth it. Like I re- run through my head, it could go to zero, Bitcoin could go to zero, or it could be as successful as I think it will be. And if I don't have Bitcoin and it's as successful as I think it's going to be, like that would just eat me up inside. Yeah, but I think the game theory plays out in the long run. In the long run. Where you have UTXOs that are whitelisted escaping those regulatory, uh, those regulated entities and into the peer-to-peer network and people shopping at merchants with BTC Pay Server and that leaks distribution into the quote-unquote blacklisted market or whatever. And I, I think the game theory and the incentives play out where there's just going to be too many. I mean, I take U.S. dollars out to buy weed, or I used to, pretty pretty consistently. I'm whitelisted in the banking system. I was able to easily take that money and go buy drugs on the dark, quote unquote, dark market. I like think we'll an see alley. Similar play out. No, it wasn't even alley. It's gotten to the point where it's a texting service. You text somebody, and somebody cool shows up to your house. So I think that'll play out too. No, but. And I'm not disagreeing. No, I mean, the, but yeah, but like Bitcoin could be at like five hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars, or something at that point. Like by the time it plays out fully, you know, like it, it's there's gonna. I I I strongly believe that there's gonna be like a short term, uh, like some period of the next ten years where at least you know, and we've seen this in other countries already, but in America where it's harder to get Bitcoin in self-custody than it is right now. You know, like that we're like, at, I like when, when I first got into Bitcoin, 
it was relatively easy to get KYC free Bitcoin and everyone took it for granted, right? And then all of a sudden, all of the platforms got KYC'd. But now it's like way easier to get Bitcoin in general. And I think people take that for granted. Like if you do KYC, it's really easy to get and self-custody. And then the next step will be, it's just hard to get either. And, and people will be like, oh, I never saw this coming. Because I know like in, in 2013, when people were like using Charlie Shrem's like BitInstant and stuff, they thought like, they weren't thinking like everything was going to be KYC'd up, except for, you know, like peer-to-peer stuff. Like BISC and HODL HODL and, and just like street trades. Yeah. And mining, no, obviously. Mining will always be an avenue. Yeah, I think... I always think of maybe cheesy podcast throwing a hat tip to Joe Rogan here. Like the one clip early on in his show where he described the internet and the government trying to curtail the internet or control it and likened it to a man standing in an Alaskan river, an Alaskan river when the salmon are, are flowing upstream and trying to catch all of them at once. Like it's just not going to be possible these regulations will certainly be put in place and they will be leveraged against many individuals, but at the end of the day, they will be ephemeral and ineffective just to the nature of the way Bitcoin works as a peer to peer network. And actually want to bring up a thread by Caitlin long. She did a long, I believe 24 tweet thread, 25 tweet thread about this announcement from uh, the U S OCC and it seems like it's going to take the banks some time to actually be able to custody these assets. And she's saying that they don't have the correct legal structure in place for actually, again, her talking to her bag, full disclosure, Avanti and the state of Wyoming. She's arguing only as the, the correct legal structure to, to make this happen. So uh, other banks outside of Wyoming are going to have some catching up to do in that regard, apparently. But yeah, she's defending her business model. But yeah, I agree. Yes. I don't disagree with her. I mean, she has a Bitcoin first business model and, and they got laws passed in Wyoming to facilitate that. Um, and I, I also don't disagree. Like I, 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 I think long term, like c- circular economy is like really the, the thing that's going to solve this. Like in, in 2013, people were talking about getting merchants to accept Bitcoin. And they were talking about spend and replace. And you have two issues there. The merchants, first of all, were using BitPay, which is is full KYC. Um, BTC Pay hadn't existed yet. And they were auto-converting to fiat. They weren't actually, to them, they weren't accepting Bitcoin. It was just, it was like a novelty stunt. And then they were just receiving dollars in their bank account. And then the second thing is spend and replace in our current tax structure is fucking horrible for you. Um, so, so I think the next, the next era will be like spending Bitcoin at merchants that are holding Bitcoin, you know, like they want Bitcoin, that's their money. And you're, you're spending, you're spending Bitcoin to them. They're using BTC pay or something else. Um, and they're receiving it as Bitcoin and they're holding the majority of it as Bitcoin. And then they're paying their suppliers and stuff like that. And in that situation, you skip out all of these regulated fiat on ramps and off ramps. So, but 
I, I do think there's going to be a period of short-term pain there, and I thought it was going to happen already, to be quite honest. Um, so it, it is bullish in that regard that it hasn't uh, fully enveloped us yet. But this FATFA shit scares the shit out of me. Like this kind of working group behind the scenes where they're deciding whether or not well, they're going to start sharing KYC data between each other is... Um, well, the working group's, working group's second layer, FATFA, right? Like, fuck FATFA. Why do they exist? Who elected them? They're not elected by anybody. Why was the G7 able to get together and create this overbearing regulatory body? It, yes, obviously, the way politics and global governments work today, it seems pretty obvious. But as an individual, as an American particularly, I'll speak for Americans only, Like, they should not, you should not be putting up with this shit. You should not allow the U.S. to enter into an agreement with eight other countries. G7 is not seven countries. It's like something like eight or ten countries that just decide how you can and cannot access and move your money. It, it, it just seems purely un-American to me. Yeah, I mean, well, there's a lot of un-American things happening in America. And oh, outside America. Are we going to get on that topic? No, not, not yet, but uh, I agree. I mean, like, fuck them, but I just don't think that's... I, I, I don't think that's an effective... like. They're going to stay. Well, but they're not going anywhere, right, Marty? Edu- education allows you to speak up. People don't speak up because they don't even know that FATFA exists. That's right. the thing that pisses me off. Most people don't know this exists, and it shouldn't exist uh, as an American. Uh, that was the tangent I, w- I did want to talk about is um, we had a freak uh, tag us. Uh, Goshen? Goshen's son. Goshen. Um, what's his name? Charles Carlos Gosen, the, the that Japanese rich guy who like got mm-hmm. the fuck out of Japan in like a, a guitar case or something in a private plane. Remember when that shit happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His son paid five hundred thousand dollars to the handlers that got him out of the country, and he made it. They said in crypto. We don't know what what fucking token he used he might have used bitcoin but he paid through coinbase and so now they <laughs> so, know it. but wasn't he wasn't his escape justified though wasn't he going to be like unlawfully locked up for life for something stupid yeah i mean i rem- i like i remember like kind of siding with him but i don't really remember the exact story because like he yeah, then re- he did press he, conferences he was, when he got to europe right yeah wasn't he a japanese man who escaped from china no, no, no. Am he I escaped wrong? from Japan. He was like a rich Japanese it, dude who who escaped from. He Japan. was on. He was on like. F- oh, he fled to Lebanon. Car comp- he was on one of the car company boards, correct? Um, I'm like, yeah. He was Nissan Motor, Motors chairman. Yeah. Um, and I guess like what was like it must have been like fraud claims or something like that, right? That's usually yeah, and then the I think the way the Japanese legal s- system is set up, he'd go to jail for life, and it seemed unjustified. My memory's a little fuzzy on this particular story. Yeah, I think story, you're right. It was something I like that. Yeah. Where, like, he probably did the bad thing, but, like, they were just, like, completely fucking him over it. So I don't like, even think he did anything bad. I think that he just got too big for certain people's likings. And I think they there was something to, there. To I don't know. I don't remember. But he paid through Coinbase. Like, why'd you pay through Coinbase, dude? Imagine sending, and that's not a low amount of money. Imagine sending a half a million dollar transaction from Coinbase and thinking like, oh, this is going to be 
this is like some nice <laughs> no black market money. I'm good here. No trail at all. Uh, a lot of education. I mean, and you would assume those people are rich, well-educated, would have some common sense to to recognize that, but it doesn't seem to be the case. This is what I'm talking about. We like talk about like privacy all the time here and like really the more effective thing to tell most people is like you should not have a Google Home or like Alexa in your device just like with a microphone in your house with like a microphone always on. Like you shouldn't send your DNA to DNA services. Like most of these people are getting caught because they just I remember there was like a report that was like most of the dark market usage is just like one hop from exchange. They just like send it yeah. like right into the dark markets. So like, you know, you talk all this stuff, but in reality, the majority of people are getting hit like way low hanging fruit. But the scary thing is that all this shit that happens on chain, it's fucking forever. Like if you're a Bitcoin bull and you think Bitcoin's going to last, like this chain is not going anywhere. It's going to be around for fucking ever. And you might not get fucked now, but you get fucked in five years and 10 years, whatever. You never know when it comes back to you. Be aware, freaks. Be aware. You mentioned the DNA services there. You had an update to that thread today. What was that update? I didn't get to dive into that. GED Match, which was the one who like participated with... Uh, California police to get the Golden State Killer. Remember, he was like a policeman, an ex-policeman who was like also a rapist, and they like figured it out because his nephew contributed DNA to the service, and they were like, okay, it's a relative of that. Wait, is this... Is this the documentary on HBO that I'm watching right now? Maybe. Known as the the East Area Rapist and the... Did they catch him with DNA? On DNA test? Did I spoiler it for you? Possibly. Uh, I'm not apparently sure. It's Pat. It's Patton Oswalt's wife was they, the the woman who really dove into the trial. They called it be, the Golden State Killer, um, and it was an ex police officer. Okay, so I think it was this then because she in this is like he did most of his murders and rapes in the seventies and eighties, correct? Yeah, I believe so. And, like, he got away with it yeah. for, like, 30 years or whatever, 40 years. And then Dude, the police basically this... put his old DNA that they had gotten. And at the time, DNA wasn't a thing, right? And they they had no matches in their records, but they put it through GED matches uh, database, and they got a match on, like, a close relative. And then from there, they worked, they worked from there, and they got the guy, um, which is great. Like, they got a rapist. Um, but the problem is with these services, you're trusting a central third party. And also governments have a tendency to abuse their powers when they have it. Um, even if you completely trust your current government to only use it for, you know, really fucked up crime and keep that data secret, you never know when it's going to get abused or when it's going to get neglected. And you never know how secure they're storing the fucking data. So GED match got hacked. And oh, so after that, they put an opt in. You could only opt in. It used to be an opt out, and now it's an opt in for law enforcement access. So they have like 1.4 million accounts with DNA samples on GED match, um, and like 200,000 are opted in for law enforcement searches. And like a subset of those are opted in for just public. Right. So, so you can. It's like Facebook or something. Like you, you can have your profile. 
you have like three options of your profile, like public, which obviously the cops can search, then private, but the cops can search it and use it for their cases because you want to be a good Samaritan, and then completely private. And the overwhelming majority, like over one million people, choose completely private because it's their fucking DNA. A hacker went in and switched them all to public. So (laughs) for three hours, anyone could access it, including the cops. And then because they switched it all to public, they also used the email addresses there and they fished people on competing DNA. Like a lot of people, what they do is they... Like if you're if you use one DNA service, I guess like you're more likely to be using a second one to compare and contrast. Like if it got your relatives right, so then they were phishing people with fake logins to to myheritage.com, which I I guess is one of the bigger ones. Um, but it's just a perfect example. Like you put your DNA information out there, and and the most fucked up thing to me is that you're doxing your future relatives. You're doxing people that aren't even born yet. You're just like putting them in a fucking database. Yeah, what is the drive to get these te- like is the information you're getting back from it? I can't get health information if you're worried about long term health implications, but you should do that with your doctor and try to have a more secure test and results relationship with your doctor in order. But like what? Are all these people really that obsessed to figure out where they came from? Is it worth it? It's like a cool thing you can like talk about at the coffee table about like where I've never heard anybody talk about their DNA test. You never heard anyone be like, Oh, I'm like forty two percent Prussian and like thirty seven percent Viking and like ten percent mutt or whatever. You never heard that? No. I've Not heard my grandfather that was so always, many times. Ah. My so grandfather's always uh we're Irish. We're Irish. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. I get triggered. But not even from, like, friends and shit? No. Not yet. I'm pretty introverted, too. Uh, people love that shit. They, like, send you the screenshots, and they give you, like, all these analytics, and I don't know. I, I, I think you can do it, like, in a, a more privacy-focused way. It's just all of these companies' business models are the exact opposite. They're just harvesting data. That's the get 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 the test price as low as possible and just harvest as much fucking data as possible. It's a data harvesting play. Incentives are broken. And they're not securing that data that they harvest very well at all, as evidenced by this GED hack. Beware, freaks, be aware. Is it worth finding out where your ancestors come from? Not so sure. We got a long list to get through. We've got drinks of quarantine in an hour, so we got to start blowing through this. Huge shout out to Bitmax, uh, the one hundred, I guess one hundred X Group is a subsidiary of theirs. So that's no, handing it's out the these opposite. Grants. It's their new parent company. Subsidiary. It used to so be HDR Group, and I think they they did some. I mean, let's be honest, Bitmax is like fighting like all the governments of the world at the same time. So they did some thing, and they now they're hundred X Group is the parent company. Yeah. So their new parent company uh, gave out a $50,000 grant to friend of the podcast, Jerry, Jeremy Rubin, this week. Uh, actually gave it to his company that he's starting that's dedicated to uh, researching Bitcoin and Bitcoin Core, particularly Judica Inc. And uh, this grant is to focus on uh, research around BIP. 119 or check template verify which 
we've talked about it on this podcast before. If you haven't heard the episode with Jeremy, definitely go check that out. And I am under the impression that bit 119 is something that would be, I would welcome, especially if I were running an exchange or something gives you much more granularity in how you can, uh, construct transactions and have flows of money distributed to people, whether it be customers, employees, or other sort of unique situations that you find yourself in when you're sending a lot of transactions or moving a lot of value to different people on the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, so shout out to 100X Group, aka BitMEX, for, for this grant. Yeah, I feel like we should just say like BitMEX provided the grant because like for all yeah. intents and purposes, they did. And uh, the 100X Group so Jer- is just like their legalese. Yeah, so Jeremy joins uh, Michael Ford, I think, aka Fanquake, correct? That's his GitHub. Yes, Michael Ford. Our boy, our boy Gleb. Nalmenko and Amiti. So we've got three of the four grant recipients from the 100X group have been on the podcast. Michael Ford, if you're listening, I doubt you are, but if you are, the invite is open. We'd love to talk about your mechanicized, mechanicalized farming yes, in please. Australia. That'd be fucking dope. I've heard many, uh, many stories, many secondhand stories about it. It seems like a really, very cool project. But shout out to Jeremy. I know he's been attempting to get funded for uh check template verify research for for a bit now so pumped that bitmex stepped up to the plate here and they also insinuated that he's getting funding from somewhere else which i don't think we know about yet um i just want to say like it is fucking beautiful to see how fucking in right now funding core development is or just like any kind of development like it's fucking fantastic Dude, but what about the dev incentives, man? They're not there. They're not there. But, like, even someone who was as bullish as you about the incentives being there, it was still mostly theory. You know, we hadn't really seen it play out. This is the year we've seen it play out. Like, it's, like, fucking every week. Every week I feel like we're shilling someone for for providing a grant, right? Yeah, at least the last three weeks. It's been nonstop. I fucking love AJ, it. It's fantastic. Anthony Towns got one last week. The week before that, I think we announced Amidi. Amidi got one from Zappo, too. And, like, uh, Square's been all over the place. They just don't release blog posts. It's, like, hard to keep track of without that poly polylunar uh, database thing. Yeah, shout out to Polylunar. Again, go check them out if you haven't. They, they're keeping this data in one repository. So it's easy to keep up with who's funding Bitcoin developers. The link is in the last show notes. I don't remember what it is. Um, and on that remember. note, I have Satoshi um, just released their first client, which is a Square Crypto yeah. Grant recipient, recipient, I believe. Um, yeah, Sergio, correct? Yeah, which I I think it's Sergio, right? Anyway, it's a lightning watchtower. So I think it's our first... Has L&D released a watchtower? I believe there's been some beta watchtowers released. I'm not sure if anything has put together as the I Satoshi has been released yet. So should we give the freaks like a quick synopsis of what a watchtower is? Yeah, I'll, I'll give a first shot at it to be as succinct as possible. A watchtower uh, is something on the lightning network that sits between you and your channel counterpart to make sure 
that you don't get cheated. That's how I would describe it. That's pretty good. Yeah, so with Lightning, you have to stay online uh, to make sure that the other party doesn't uh, release an old old channel state as a transaction settlement. Um, and the Watchtower does that job for you if you're not online. It does the watching for you. And then the idea is that if there's just Watchtowers out there, even if you're not using a Watchtower, because the penalty if you broadcast an old state is that you lose all your money. So if there's a watchtower out there, the idea is that you, you the, the attacker is less likely to do it because they're just like, there's probably a watchtower watching. Yeah, it adds a new assumption layer to, to attack vectors. Like a little game theory thing. Yeah. Uh, good week for development then. Taj Dryja from the MIT Media Lab Digital Currency Initiative announced that or released a demonstration of UtreXO, which we began talking about over a year ago on this podcast. A few freaks that are rusty and don't remember exactly what UtreXO is. This would be huge for scalability because it would allow, uh, it would basically reduce the size of the chain state considerably, uh, making initial block download a lot easier. Uh, it is very experimental right now. The blog post that was released earlier this week basically describes that they're going to test it out on BTCD, which is an alternative implementation to Bitcoin Core, not uh, LibBitcoin, and it's got very limited, very limited functionality right now. You can only recover an address and do a watch only. You can't send or receive anything, I believe. Uh, and they're just looking for testers, people to review the code and to see if this actually works. And so the way this works is instead of downloading the full state of the chain state of the UTXO set, excuse me, it would use like cryptographic accumulators, which allows you to compress the data um, in a much more compressed fashion. That's how I understand it, at least. I don't know if you have a better explanation. Layman's explanation. They have server nodes that are running UTXO, that are compressing this shit like a zip file and then they send it to you so you use less 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 data less less bandwidth and less storage right or is it just storage i think it's actually more I think more, it's more bandwidth, bandwidth and actually. less storage right yes but combined with something like uh what gleb's working on what the hell is it considerably reduces the bandwidth requirements. ASMAP? ASMAP? No, no, that's separate. No, ASMAP is like ASMAP the, is like broadcasting, uh, right? That ASMAP's to avoid uh, partition attacks via ISPs, so it makes sure that oh, receiving you're connected blocks. to nodes. You're receiving blocks from nodes that are connected via different ISPs, so you don't... Which you released a call for action on the BitMEX blog, so we have that in the show notes yeah. as well. Check that out. Yes. Um, the cool thing about UTXO to me is that we don't need consensus or shit on this. Like you'll just no have UTXO no serving nodes and you'll have receiving nodes and like that's that. Like, but, but it does rely on the server nodes. You need to have people running the server nodes. And that I think requires more storage as well, right? So I assume as a server node, not only do you have significantly more bandwidth, you also have more storage. 
Okay. Yes. But bandwidth could be the bandwidth trade-off could make sense if Erlay is implemented. Erlay is oh, the Oh, that's what we're thinking of. Erlay. That the makes P2P sense. layer improvement that would that would severely reduce the amount of bandwidth needed. Well, I love that there's a lot of things that we have to keep track of. That's I think a good thing. Um it would suck if if we could just keep track of everything cuz then there wouldn't be that much. Uh I I guess so Am I right to say that Utrixo is most promising probably for smartphone users in the developed world because they have high bandwidth, but they have low storage on their phones? Seems like that's the mo- that that seems like the best benefactor of the Utrixo edition. Uh, I would say yes. Those people are definitely benefactors of this. Right, running a full note and- on your phone. Yes, maybe AB Core will be the first to implement this. We shall see. There's Uh, another one that's a fork of AB Core now, Natuya. N-A-T-U-Y-A. I I think they're a fork of AB Core. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of sort of node stacks being being released right now. We haven't talked about the Nix. The Nix... Node stack yet. Nick's Bitcoin? Yeah. That seems pretty cool. It seems it, the way I would describe it is similar to what Carl Dong's working on with Geeks, but apply that to the whole stack, like beyond Bitcoin Core, trying to make it more secure, more, more buttoned up. It's like a more hardened, limited version, right? Yes, I believe so. I actually discovered them uh, because they were a sponsor of Bitcoin Bounty Hunt. That's how <laughs> when I was oh, going I got, to I, fill up the TFTC uh, call. I've been slacking on that. I got to go fill those up. Yeah, it's been Unless sitting at have... zero for a little bit now. Uh, to be I'm going to go fill it up after this. Yeah, I keep, I keep meaning to fill it up. That, that how about that? That's so cool. Just shout out to Bitcoin Bounty Hunters. I just I love that concept. I think it's BitcoinBountyHunt.com. Because Bitcoin Bounty Hunter is a different website, I believe. Because I went to it. Yeah, it's BitcoinBountyHunt.com. Bounty Hunt. Yes. BitcoinBountyHunter.com is questionable. Oh no. It's it doesn't exist. Maybe Bitcoin Bounty Hunters. Was the wrong one that I went to. And Matt just bought a domain name. I'm not going to buy that domain name. They should own it if they if they don't already own it though. I just want to say one of my favorite things is when people reach out to me, uh, for just arbitrary domain names, seeing if I have it. Uh, fully noted reached out to me because someone owns fullynoted.com. I do not own fullynoted.com. It would be his. <laughs> if, if I owned it, it would be his. I would just be saving it for him. Um, but if, if a freak owns fullynoted.com, uh, you, you should let him know. Like, and you should do right by him. Like, give him a reasonable price for it um, if you don't just like, give it to him. Like, it, by all means, capitalism, but give him a reasonable price for it. Uh, and then someone else asked me for... <laughs> for a random bitcoin domain name if i had it just like out of the blue just like they have no idea like guys i don't have my domain names suck like i have a problem i own a lot of them yes 
Um, like if you want to buy cuckmentality.com for me, you can buy that. I, I will give, I, as long as you're not American hodl, like I'll give you a very good price for it. Um, but I, my domain names aren't very good. Like most of them are just trolling Ethereum. Yeah. The, uh, a bunch of POS versus POW. Yeah. I have both That's reversals okay. of them and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I have stacking That's a good one. That is a good one. That is a good one. I mean, hey, you never know. You never know when a trend will will change. Something will become popular. Just toddle this. Nah, they're all right. shit coins. All my domains are shit coins. I like a hundred percent admit it. I have a problem. I need to work on it. And by all means, if you guys want to, if you guys want to ask me if I have a domain of yours, feel free to reach out because I, you know. I enjoy it. It's fun. If, any, if if anything, it's a good conversation starter. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a reason to catch up. Uh, we gotta start blowing through stuff because we gotta go if we want to get this posted before drinks in quarantine. You can always post it while you're on drinks with quarantine. We could do that as well. Um, alluded to it earlier in the episode. Raspberry, raspberry, Raspi Blitz version one point six release candidate uh, number three has been released and it added IB or IP to tour. So I believe this allows you like better clear net usage. This is Raspi fucking Blitz. awesome. This is massive. It's a right. big, it's a big deal, Marty. It's a big deal. Uh, That's why I alluded to it. I alluded to it in the beginning of the episode. I know it's a big deal. It's true. It's true. It's like, so you know how we're using BTC pay. If you're using BTC pay server, the most common way to use it right now is on a, virtual private server uh like mm-hmm. on amazon cloud or luna node or something like that and why is that the reason is because if you host it from your house or your office and you're broadcasting it to the world like if you want clearnet access which let's be honest the majority of people are going to come in through the clearnet they're not going to come in through tor you have to broadcast your ip address to them and then they know your ip address um which is both a privacy and a security issue. So with IP, IP to Tor, uh, you are basically connecting to the service through Tor, and then they're giving you, it's a tunnel that, that gives you a tunnel of clearnet for the BTC pay service or any other kind of service you're trying to host on your home node without giving up your home node IP address. Um, so it's fucking massive. Like, I mean, this 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 whole... Like people, there's a demand to run BTC pay server from your fucking bedroom closet. I think there is a demand there. People want to do it, but you right now you really couldn't do it until you have a tunnel service like this. Um, and I think Raspberry Blitz is the first of these packages to really push for this. Um, it is a release candidate. It should be coming out in the new version officially once it gets like tested some more. Um, and I know the Noddle guys are working on it. So it, this, is a, this is a good thing. It's a very, I think it's a very big deal, uh, just from a practical standpoint. Shout out to our boy Open Oms and crew. Because he was the one working on this, correct? I mean, I'll give him credit. I'm not sure. He's a fucking hustler. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, like, it is a really that- big deal. Even just like things like tip jars and stuff, like these guys that are getting demonetized. 
you know, they, they need something like this in order to do it in a, in a proper fashion. And that's why I'm really bullish right now. Like we alluded to, or we talked about, we didn't allude to it. We talked about it directly. The fact that these companies are stepping up and funding devs, really proving that thesis that, hey, if this network becomes valuable enough, the companies using it, leveraging it will reinvest in it. And then just from a design perspective, obviously Bitcoin has not reached match, match mass adoption yet. We hope it will in the future. But I think building products like this and building functionalities like IP2 Tour right now <laughs> is important. Uh, I said that correctly. I know, but I, I didn't realize, you know, when it's written, it's super easy to write. I didn't realize how hard it is to say. This is the first time I try to say it, really. IP2 Tour. It just sounds uh, weird. Yeah, but just, it's just a great sort of building block design perspective. So get the stuff in as early as possible, and hopefully if it's clunky now, the UX UI will be fleshed out by the time mass adoption comes, like do it right for the beginning or don't do it at all. And a lot of these projects aim to do it right. Bullish. Very bullish. Like we mentioned, Gleb and crew, I believe Peter Willa as well worked on this are asking for testing and improving of ASMAP, which would be uh, the change to the P2P layer that uh, prevents singular ISPs from surrounding and attacking your node. So if you can help out with that, check it out. We'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, our boy Bitcoin Q&A has come out with a f- couple more. These are fucking money, awesome. Yeah, money infographics on the MyNode stack and the Samurai stack. Uh, I do remember him having to clarify a couple things in the Samurai stack, but I think uh, it's extremely well done. Well, it, it got updated. If you, like he clarified things on his Twitter post because he posted a screenshot, but if you go to the link that we provide in the show notes, it's the updated it's version. Updated. I'm first okay. of all, he's a freak. I'm pretty sure, like we're encouraging this dude. I fucking love the hustle. I think we're encouraging him to release more content because he's trying to get a streak on rabbit hole. He's trying to get mentioned as much <laughs> as possible. Um, so that's fucking awesome. I love it. Uh, the stacks are, I think they make it easier to understand like what's being offered here. Um, conceptually because yeah, he uses too. like the flow charts. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just good. I, I love, I love, I love the easy, I love this content because and I've said it a couple times already, but I fucking love this summer. So I have been slacking. I admit I've been slacking. I, I just haven't been putting out the kind of tutorial content I want to put out. But when I have this kind of content, it's fantastic because I get to link to it all the time. Um, so it makes my job easier. I think it makes like the Bitcoin guy in all the different circles a shit ton easier because they can just link to other good content. So I do appreciate all the people out there like putting out um this like introductory guide type content uh because it is it is sorely needed and it goes outdated so quickly so we need as many people working on it as possible and it's pretty cypherpunk too cypherpunk's right code and the code does not have to be the code that makes the software work it could be part of the social code that helps 
educate people about how this stuff works. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the original cypherpunks would agree with you, but um, I feel like this is what non-programmers say to themselves. But it is what it is. <laughs> uh, the reason I say that, I think I have heard a cypherpunk explain it that way. Uh, it, because it's definitely of, necessary. Yes. We need it. That's, And that's why I said that. I'm not trying to say that to have anybody labeled a cypherpunk i think i heard that somewhere from a cypherpunk that did write code and says hey it goes beyond the code uh the code can be social as well uh i mean i definitely agree but i'm not a cypherpunk uh i i highlighted this yesterday in the bent was it yesterday or two days ago two days ago so 23 oh this was great Uh, that's where i got it from uh danny de kroger hope i'm pronouncing your last name correct danny if you're listening from the cash app. Wait, it's Danny uh, Die Kroger, right? Or do you think Die his Kroger. last name's De Kroger? D Kroger, De Kroger. Oh, I I Danny, I, I assume you just put Die in there because it's like a Twitter handle. Yeah, so it's at Danny Die D I E Kroger K R O E G E R. We'll link to this post in the show notes. Uh, I just want to highlight he's been beasting uh, threads on Twitter's on Twitter explaining sort of basics of Bitcoin, how it works, the Bitcoin addresses, hash functions, uh, how they work within Bitcoin, uh, the anatomy of a Bitcoin transaction, transaction fees, Bitcoin consolidation transactions, difficulty adjustment, censorship in Bitcoin, private public key pairs, and digital signatures uh, in a very digestible way that would leave a layman walking away with better understanding of each subject so i just want to highlight those and shout out to danny for putting them together you're right that's his last name die kroger i'm sorry for confusing you i was just i just saw his at tag and i assumed uh i I don't know i assumed it was like a twitter thing like his real name is danny kroger and he just put die in between like like i don't know it's like a twitter handle kind of thing but anyway that is his last name uh, full disclosure, I mean, full disclosure, fuck that shit. It's a good thing he works at Cash App, right? So we got someone who knows their shit at Cash App, which I think is, like, pretty fucking huge. Um, yeah. Which has been my experience. Like, everyone I've talked to over there has been on point, uh, which is impressive for such a big-ass fucking company. Um, and that's yeah. where I throw in the disclosure. They're a sponsor of the podcast. Yeah, they're a sponsor of the podcast, but... Oh God, it's gonna make me nostalgic. I miss BitDevs, but they're like head of engineering on the Bitcoin team. Was at BitDevs a couple times. I've seen him flow through there, asking really good questions, and participating. I don't think I met him. Do I you remember his once. name? And actually, I, uh, I think I may have gone too far by even admitting that. He was oh, at we BitDev, shouldn't dox so him. I, Let's not dox him. That was yeah. that was fucked up of me. I take it I'm back. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's been it's been uh it's been a minute since I've been in the room of BitDevs. I miss Jay, them. forgive me. Those bit devs, man. They're fucking good. I miss those. Soon. And the they next will, one will be in will two be weeks. <laughs> um, this is pretty scary. The EFF Atlas of Surveillance. Yeah, did you check it out? Yeah. It's just like, it's, if you uh, can just imagine the United States population map, it's just there's more surveillance in the places that are densely populated, but everywhere. It's just like everywhere except the gaps are like where the Buffalo are. Yeah. We're being watched. 
the all looking eye of the eye of Sauron is is looking at you. Pick your butt as you walk down the street. So just be aware. Yeah. So the Pretty Atlas disgusting. of Surveillance is the EFF's new tool where you can see facial recognition and all other types of surveillance technology and where they're deployed and they have it on like a nice interactive map. Bang, bang. Yeah. A peep it. Last but not least, certainly not least, this is actually probably the most cause of concern of a government attack on Bitcoin, at least the U.S. government attack on Bitcoin, is the fact that it came to light last weekend. Yahoo, surprisingly enough, dropped a very (laughs) in-depth report (laughs) that in 2018, President Trump uh, basically signed a backdoor bill that basically gives the CIA free reign to do whatever they want in terms of attacking enemy infrastructure. Uh, they do not have to ask permission anymore. Trump signed a bill in 2018 that says, hey, if you think this is worth attacking, go ahead. You don't have to ask for permission, which is pretty scary. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty amazing that we haven't seen any kind of... Uh, yeah, it just came to light last weekend. Well, I, I think it's pretty amazing that we haven't seen any kind of uh, major-ass cyber attacks yet, like on the nation-state level. Um, I know our boy Nick, like immediately when the Twitter hack happened, just thought like the worst possible thing could happen. He was like, oh, we're just like thermonuclear war. All right, you know, uh, this is a state attack. But it wasn't a state attack. It was just some stupid kid, apparently. Uh, I, I expect more attacks to happen whether that's America or whether that's another country. Like, like we saw, I think two Chinese hackers got caught doing, uh, they were stealing COVID research. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Equifax hack was a state attack. Uh, we, we see there's a lot of state attacks going on, but I thought, for instance, well, like when the protests were going on in America, that one of these countries, like a China or a Russia, was going to like hit us with some kind of, Imagine like during lockdown, during riots, like the internet's cut or the electric's cut or something like that. Well, this stuff, this stuff has happened in the past. In the article, they, they referenced the 2009 joint attack from Israel and United States intelligence community, the Stuxnet attack. Right, you remember that, Iran's right? Iran's nuclear facility, yeah. And yeah, it went, so it's happened before. And it spread, too. It was supposed to just be Iran, and, and it, it kept going. Uh but that was a very successful attack uh, that we did. But yeah, like, so, so, and then the other thing here is, I agree with Marty that this is a major, it's a major threat to both Bitcoin and more importantly, I mean, not more importantly, but uh, more directly, a ton of the shit coins. Uh, because like, you have to realize like the whole value prop, the whole value prop is that this is independent of any single government. So you have to take the most powerful, sophisticated government. And if they can subvert the system, then there's no value. That's like basically my heuristic. And the U.S. government can subvert this shit. They, they could probably, if they put all their willpower and money towards destroying Bitcoin, they probably still could. I just don't think they have the willpower to do it. Um, I'm not trying to tease them into doing it. That's not my goal here. Um, But for example, this part of the article really uh, caught my eye. Um, 
the ability for the CIA to convert cyber operations against entities like media organizations, charities, religious institutions, or businesses believed to be working on behalf of adversaries, foreign intelligence services, which could be a very blurry line. You know, you could you can surmise certain things and just and just if there's not enough oversight which i really does not seem like there is probably much oversight here um there's use that on anymore. anyone the whole like the stucks the stuxnet stuff they had to ask climb through a bunch of red tape just to do that attack and now they don't anymore they could do that just like hey we want to do it we don't need to ask permission Right, but they can like hit like a a media organization or a hardware wallet company or something like that without, you know, by just saying yeah. like they're an extension of whatever state and they they can just kind of get their way in well, there. Or or a node package, right? Like if you're Well, they like well that'll be interesting to see is what they designate a foreign state. Like is Bitcoin as a distributed peer-to-peer network, a foreign state on the internet? Like is the Bitcoin network itself a foreign entity? Uh, I don't even think it has to be. I think they could just easily tie it to like a Russia or a China, or they could tie it to a terrorist organization. Right. I mean, like the lines blurry enough. I mean, look, I mean, we saw it like Antifa is considered a fucking a terrorist organization now. I think, I think it should be. Okay. That's fine. Right, but there was no due process in deciding that or anything. No, that's correct. Right, so so in the future you could just you could do the same exact thing, or you could just tie it to Antifa. But if you wanted to tie it to a different organization and just be like they're terrorists and then they're also using Bitcoin, then bang bang, you got it. Uh, so it's it's a very slippery slope. And the thing is, like, if we fight these things in court. Like we're talking five years, seven years, eight years, expensive court cases, and they know that they don't care. Like they, yeah, that, that's a win for them. If anything, if there was any definitive evidence needed to prove that Trump has not been draining the swamp, this is it. This just gives power to the swamp, the intelligence community that is unrivaled in history, and. Yeah, feel bad for the QA honors out there who, number one, got kicked off Twitter, and then two, actually believe that he's going to drain the swamp. This is evidence for the contrary, just making the swamp worse. More power than they've ever had. I mean, look, every executive that comes into office just increases the power. There's no rolling back. No one rolls it back. No one gets elected and is like, ah, I'm going to, I want less power. Yeah. I mean, that's what the whole kerfuffle right now with the feds being set into Portland is people are mad at Trump. Some rightfully so it's debatable. In my opinion, I, I would actually, I wish there was more due process behind sending the feds in or not due process, but uh, more of a vote. But I do believe there's a good argument to be made that they should be sent in. But regardless, a lot of people are like, Oh, look what Trump did. But Obama signed the executive order that made that possible. Like, this stuff to build it. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Stop the red versus blue bullshit. They're all the same. I mean, call me crazy. I don't, you know, I I don't think that, uh, I don't, I don't want the feds going into cities. I just, well, 
It's one thing if it's like have... a very limited mandate to protect federal buildings. Very, very that... limited. It has to be like proximity. Well, people are leaning on the First Amendment. Like people have the right to protest. Like the First Amendment clearly states people have the right to peaceably protest. Like in peace, nonviolent. Like all these riots. They're not even protests at this point, especially in Portland. They're trying to burn down federal buildings. And if the local DA and mayor and police department does not want to step in and do their jobs to make sure that these quote unquote protesters are doing so peaceably. Like I, I find it hard to blame the Trump administration, particularly in an election year, not to stop and try to quell the chaos. It's, it's not peaceful. Like, like you can do what you want to do peacefully, burning down, throwing Molotov cocktails and trying to burn down federal buildings it's not like violence begets violence. You have to stop it at some point. We've seen that this summer. As I said, it's one thing if it's a limited mandate. Um, from I'm pretty sure it's expanding from there. If it doesn't expand, then so be it. Um, you send them in to Chicago. Look, I think I think that like if these cities want to deal with it, they want to deal with it. Like the way they want to deal with it, they can deal with it. Like their stakeholders can decide. Like I, I think but they're not upholding they're not upholding the constitution. But localism, like Marty, you, Citadel theory. Like what like do we do we do we think the US will be better balkanized or do we think it'll be better as like one massive federal bureaucratic thing? Like that's what it comes down like like the feds should they're they they I they have business in defending their fucking thing, their buildings. But like that's it. Like as limited as possible. Yeah, but then then you get into the argument of how much overt socialist and communist propaganda do you allow to happen within your borders? But my point is, if Portland wants to be communist, right, to well, use they, your language, if Portland wants to be communist, then so be it. Let they them, should secede let first. Let them try secede it. Secede first. Secede first. You can't be oh, communist like, within like, America. Like we let them secede. Well, they should at least try. Like, you can't just force communism within a... It's not... Well, that's the funny thing. It's like it's just pushing us further towards communism than we already are. Like, it's all fucked. It's all, all fucked. If, if I see feds on the streets of New York City, I'm going to be fucking livid as I should be. I can see that. Okay? Like, like fuck this well, shit. I'm not cool with feds going into cities. You better, you better hope De Blasio takes care of his house. Then he's not going to. He's gonna fucking sh- shit it all up. But like, at least, so you, like the New so York ra- people, that they're they're governing themselves poorly. But it is what it is, you know. Like I, that's, I, like I, you gotta, you gotta stay principled on this. I think this is like a big principle thing. Like, like, are we for localism or are we for not localism? Like the, the well, like, you stay. The, it's. I don't think this. Denigrates localism at the end of the day. Like, do you do you hold on to principle until you're in the gulag and they've successfully implemented no, communism? I'm not, like, I'm not gonna be in the gulag. I'm not gonna let that happen. It's my independent choice. That's what they want, and they're winning some ground. At least in Portland, I don't know. I we'll just, see though. We have to be very careful about, you know, allowing. I, I it's 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 a fucking slippery slope. People should be fucking worried. I like I like it's yeah. I I I'm not going to make like any big hyperbole statements. 
uh, yet. Maybe next week. But I, I, I just... It's a fucking slippery slope. It's a really it's a really slippery slope and people need to be careful. And as far as I'm I concerned, agree. I could give two shits. I could give two shits what happens in Portland. Like if they want to burn down their city, they're they're welcome. They in my mind they can fucking burn down their city. I'm cool with that. It's a shame that people would want to do that. Why how do these people have all this time to burn down these cities? Like what the I fuck had an are you opinion and I cared about what was hap- what's happening in New York. Because I live here, I'm a stakeholder of New York. But what happens over there, they can they can do their thing. I do not think yeah. that we should. Um, but again, going back to my comment of red team, blue team, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Maybe this is, if you believe in the slow encroachment of cultural Marxism over the course of decades that many have talked about, especially in recent months of uh, of communism making its way to us very very uh, subvertly maybe this is exactly what they want um it's a good argument for fascism to fight against and to rally the far left to to get new policies and get their way all i can tell you is one maybe good thing are, is there's a whole 40 sw- chess makes there's a whole swath of people that were completely against states rights and they are 100% for states' rights now. And there's a whole group of people, a, a smaller group of people, that were for states' rights before that now are cheering the feds coming in. But that's smaller than this subset that has been added that believes in states' rights and believes in localism. So I think that this whole situation is going to convert a lot of people over to, to like more local way of thinking. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I'm- I think you can very much be for state rights and states rights within a constitutional republic uh, may get superseded by upholding the constitution, right? They're not peacefully assembling, destroying public property. Like at what point do you let that foment and spread again? Violence begets violence and, if you don't do anything and embolden more people to to spread that type of behavior, what what are the opportunity costs? I don't know. I just I just know vis viscerally I don't I don't like it. To the people who think it's cool with the feds going in, and, and like like I said, like if they want to just if they want to defend federal property, that's one thing. Like absolutely, by all means, defend your federal building, protect the blocks around it. Um. But if you're going to drive around in, like, rental cars and, like, pick people up, uh, like, throughout the city, uh, I would just ask you to say to yourself, if the Clintons were doing this in Dallas, would you be cool with it? Because I think the majority of people wouldn't be. And I, 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 you got you to gotta, you gotta realize what the fuck is going on. Because, like I said, none of this shit is going to get rolled back. So it doesn't matter if you agree with the dude who's in charge. Like, you, this shit can't get normalized. We can't be cool with this. Yeah, the uh, Antifa will use it to throw you in the gulag soon enough. <laughs> That's a good point to be made. They're getting fucked up, All dude. Right. I hope they are. Fuck Antifa. Um, seriously. We'll end it on that because we got to go to drinks of quarantine. Anything else that we should touch on? No, I mean, I think we gave the we gave the freaks a pretty discreet look into the beautiful relationship that is Matt and Marty. Uh, yeah. 
we disagree on some things. I I love this kid though, and oh, uh, and th- and that's why we do this thing. And I I love all you freaks, and and thank you for listening. Um, we will talk about all this shit again next week, and uh, we hope you join us. Yeah, you're not gonna make it to this part of the episode and be able to catch drinks of quarantine. So I won't even say go go watch that. Uh, thank you guys for joining us again. Uh, like Matt said. Uh, I love I love him as well, and uh, I love the show, and I love that you guys join us and participate. In the banter after the show's posted, uh, the shout outs, shout out to you freaks, uh, spread the word. Peace and love. Take care.